And uh, welcome to Lalamet United Methodist Church. We're going to start our praise service now. If you'll take out your, what we call the red praise book. And uh, we're going to sing 128. Yes, 128. Lift up your
like to stand for our final praising?
Richard on the way for the, the Reverend there in Sunday school class if she's ill. So make sure you sign all those cards before you uh, sit down. And we have a fella that's kind of incognito today. <laughs> This is the best I could do for the green bay. Oh. <laughs> We're still green. <laughs> no, 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 no. Green bay all the way. I just heard the viewer. Why does he watch his mouth on me? I don't understand that. Green bay is going to win. Don't worry. <laughs> Some nice bright red. Oh, okay. Well, nice to see you. Oh, okay. So you, you feel like you need down. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh,
dedicate this number to all of our faithful, faithful listeners that are listening by radio, by radio on 980 AM and also on our television programs. Jesus Messiah.
podcast and joining us also by YouTube. And we pray for you and if you let us know about any specific prayer requests, we'll certainly honor those prayer requests. Good morning. Now we're going to do the prayer petition and intercession. Blessed Lord, through whose gifts of the Holy Scriptures we learn of your mighty saving acts for mankind. Help us so to hear, remember, and understand your holy word that strengthen and sustain thereby. We may know in this temporal life and the hope of eternity which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and rules with you in the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mike. And Robin, if you could come and be prepared, it's going to be um, lighting the Advent candle, and maybe Mike, you can assist us. Father, this morning we just want to thank you again for our scripture reading in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Those by way of television may be wanting to follow along. We do pray for Marie Wade this morning as she's requested specific prayers for a sleepless night. We pray that you surround this real prayer warrior and asset to our community and asset to our church. Bless Marie. We pray for Betty Wasik too, who's struggling with so many back problems. She's been in bed most of the time. We pray for Shar, uh, pastor's wife. We pray for the Sunday school classes they are meeting right now and just about to break up. We thank you for Robin Larson and her faithfulness in making sure we're on, on 9:80 a.m. And, and podcast and YouTube and making it possible for as many homes and lives being touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray for this in our, our Christmas Eve services. We look forward to that at Christmas Eve at 3.15. We pray that we would bring our friends and our loved ones to this candlelit service on Christmas Eve. Pray for others that are in need of prayer for Margot Rising and members of our congregation as they go through challenges of Norton's family and the Peterson family and the roads and the sandals. We pray all this in thy name as you've taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, um, it's my delight to introduce to many of you by way of television, Robin Larson, and she has some thoughts that she'd like to share with you. And as you gather your thoughts, and as you gather your Bibles, and for Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, Robin. This is titled, Christmas Miracles and Do They Still Happen in the 21st Century? Miracle. What comes to mind? Something small like winning a sports game, materialistic things, or something big. We have had
had many miracles happen. The first one that started them all is the birth of Jesus, who is known as Yeshua. His birth is the beginning of many miracles to come, even in the 21st century. The fact when people look at scripture, the first thing they ask is, how can that be on the Lord's birth? We look first into the miracle of the birth of our Lord and Savior in Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, Behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel. Isaiah 9, 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. His name will be Wonderful, Mighty Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Peace, the Prince of Peace, also known as Yeshua HaMashiach. The, his birth in these two verses of Isaiah show us this is one of the many miracles that have happened. People have asked on the proof of miracles and found in scripture as well as the physical in Israel. Where the Lord was born in scripture, we have read many times about the miracles he has done. The way our world is going, I know many of you have asked questions, what are the miracles now? We can start off with people call small ones, like getting to work on 169 on very icy roads and not hit anyone on the way there, waking up the next day. When we wake up, that in many ways is a miracle. For now we look into the book of Proverbs 27.1, don't boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what will claim, which we as humans do not know. We have ideas like getting the ways at work, going to the next concert, sporting events. We make plans, but if the world doesn't want them, it doesn't let them work. You come into work late, but as you left two seconds earlier, you might have been in a multi-vehicle accident. When people ask me if miracles are happening in the 21st century, that answer is yes. Human DNA, every one of us has our own unique DNA. If you take one strand of it, it would take over 700 years to leave that one strand. How did this happen? Some may say luck, by chance, but I say it's a true miracle from the world of all the information in your life, background, skills you have, the world of you is my If you ask me on miracles in my life, the answer is still yes. First hitting rock bottom, had that not happened, I more than likely would have been six feet underground as a 10th grader. The next thing uh, is at work. When I first started, of all the people at work, when I started out, I was told Michael was going to train me, not knowing that that interaction would one day bring me here. The other is hearing his testimony that he saw heaven and I saw hell. Another is a year and a half ago, I was in a bad car accident. The vehicle went overboard. The driver got ejected. The fact that all three of us are alive and all three of us are living. Had one of the vehicles been one sixteenth of an inch closer, there would have been three fatalities. And there's one thing I want to touch on. This is going to be very happy for everybody. Um, I have been in deep prayer about this. The Lord has shown me that we not only have a generational divide, we also have a generation war, and we have we here need to stop it. The younger generations, the Gen X, the Gen Y, and the Gen Z, we want guidance, mentorship from the older generations. Every time the older generations tell them they are wrong, how dare they? They do things differently. Berating, criticism, condescending attitudes. The younger generation needs to go. So when the younger generations get constantly berated and condescending attitudes, that makes them feel threatened. They, then they throw in the towel and say, I'm done. This is sad for both parties. The younger generation wants a relationship with the older generation. 
but because they do things differently, they're rejected. I have been doing research on why the church is not growing. I've asked a few people at my work that are younger than that are my age, and also the younger generation after that, and I got the same answers from both age groups. And both age groups told me that they don't go to church because the older generations do not like them and are rejected by the older generations who do not want to change. This was very eye-opening. Just because the Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z go online, listen to a podcast of the sermon, go to YouTube to watch a sermon on Facebook or Twitter, does that mean we are rejecting the word and not fellowshipping? That answer is no. We fellowship through YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and podcasts. We comment, we discuss, and we don't even use video chat with others commenting on the Bible study. Just because it's different, it doesn't mean it's bad. Or how dare they, or how dare they. It is those attitudes from the older generation that is actually pushing the younger generations away, not only away from them, but maybe also away from the world. And that, and, the, and I'll tell you, when one gets pushed away, both parties are missing out on so many opportunities. And the time is now. We are so close to the Lord's second coming. The, we need to be ready. But how can the churches and synagogues be ready when we are so divided within our congregations? Um, I found that during the meeting with um, a couple people saying, why did you, why did you, um, why were you taping this on podcast? Why were you using the tablet? I got that from a couple members here and a couple members here on Thursday. And that's when the Lord showed me, you need to write about this. So we should all be looking at this first. Everybody. And I'm, and I'm going to challenge you, when we go to our families on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, we're going to have different generations. If you see a kid on the phone, don't bark at them and berate them. Go up to them and say, hey, how did you, can you show me what you're doing? Can you teach me? And that right there is a doorway to open for many opportunities. But if you go and bark at them and say, get out that device, they're going to be, why would I want to talk with you? Any other questions? Um, no. I know it's a hard sermon, but this is what the Lord wanted me to talk about. I think it all boils down to basic biblical theory. Mm -hmm. Show them love. Exactly. Make them feel accepted. Just because they do something different doesn't mean they're wrong. They're doing what they know. <coughs> it's our job as messengers of the Most High get in their shoes and join them and show them that these things cannot just be used for evil purposes and gossip, but they can be used to reach out and touch others with the loving, living word of Jesus Christ. And that's, that comes from someone from Wisconsin. <laughs> Packer, Packer, God's team, God's that, that's team, Green, Green Bay. Not talking about the team. I'm on God's team, that's the team. That was a wonderful job there, um, Robin. That was a wonderful, wonderful job there. No, Robin. Lee, would you circulate this and 
have people pray for, I don't, I don't know why we can't be united like we are in sports. I mean, there is a border battle, but we're still united. Have everybody put their hand on that. Pray for, pray for unity and peace. If you're joining us by way of television um, or hearing us by way of radio or YouTube or podcast, our scripture lesson um, today is um, taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. You might want to grab your Bibles to make sure I don't skip any important words there. We're going to look at that scripture. Understand, Mike was saying that there's, there's a game on Monday evening. There is. We don't want you to focus on that event. Focus in. <laughs> and make sure those cards, um, we'll make sure that Pastor, um, the Reverend from, from Wisconsin, gets that um, card to take one with Char there. We prayed for Char earlier in the service as we ask God's blessings upon Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 here. The birth of Jesus. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world, can you say it with me, all the world, all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Hence, Syria is still in existence. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver child, Jesus. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place. Say it with me. No place for them in the end. I am maintained today. I don't know if a pastor has ever had people really be honest with them, um, but I've heard people actually say to me, you know, when I've invited them to church, they, they've said that they have no room for, for worship. Um, they have family entertainment, they have places that go on it. They really have no room, no room um, to worship or no room to even come on Advent, time of Advent. And a lot of times people will at least come um, to our Christmas services or our Easter services. Well, I'm very grateful for those who are tuning in by way of 980 and for those who are supporting that program. My wife and I are financially supporting it. If God leads you to financially support, um, we'll make sure that your gifts that are designated to 980, 980 gets to 980. Um, and we just really appreciate the fact that the 12.30 hour starting in, in January at um, Pilgrim United Methodist and Olivet United Methodist and 
out for the next 30 weeks, contracting with them for the next 30 weeks to get in the homes of those because within the United Methodist Church, that the next 30 weeks are going to be very critical. There's going to be um, critical moves within Christianity and critical moves within the United Methodist um, Church. And I, I want um, Pastor George here in a few weeks um, to share a little bit of his testimony and what is going on in Wisconsin and what's going on, you know, in actually the world of Methodism. Well, in these scriptural verses today, we find the story of a birth. A birth. The birth of the incarnate, the incarnate Son of God, the Emmanuel, God becoming flesh. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, every birth, your birth, my birth, of a living child is a marvelous event. We serve a God that's pro-life, that's pro-birth. Now, there may be some who committed that act of abortion, and God can forgive them. God can forgive. There's no sin then. If God cannot forgive, when you bring it before him and you repent, you ask God's forgiveness. Every birth brings into being a soul, a soul that will never die. I've spoken with many people that have um, had out-of-body experiences. I personally had one, and I, I had, even though our child was just um, a very premature child, I experienced that first moments with the Lord, with that child, with that child. And I've had many people that have had body, out-of-body experiences, that have had miscarriages, and they've had... Um, individuals meet them in heaven and, and it was this child that had a miscarriage or an abortion. I challenge you all to, um, if you haven't seen the um, movie um, Heaven is for Real, one of the most touching portions of that movie Heaven is for Real is when they're sitting around, and I think they're, they're folding the clothes, and the little boy says, um, you know, Mommy, I, I am so grateful for my sister. Mm -hmm. And Mommy says something to me, yeah, you know, our sister. And I have two sisters. And, and Mommy says, well, what do you mean, two sisters? You just have one sister. And he says, no, you had a miscarriage. And I visited with this, this sister of mine when I went to heaven, when I was with Jesus. Here we find in this portion of scripture, I believe a real powerful statement for pro-life. It brings into being a soul, a soul that will never die. But but never since the world began was a birth so marvelous as the birth of Jesus. Because the birth of Jesus allows Jesus to be born in our hearts and our lives. That allows us to be born again. That's, that's what's so marvelous and that's what's so transforming about God's grace. 
about God's grace. In itself, it was a miracle. Many of the numbers that Clarice had chosen in the praise group was singing this morning was talking about the miraculous birth of Jesus Christ and how that transforming grace of Jesus Christ transforms you and I and puts us on another road, a road to heaven. In itself, it was a miracle. According to 1 Timothy chapter 3.16, God was manifest. Can you imagine that? God was manifest in flesh. That God became flesh. The blessings that it brought into the world were unspeakable. It opened to you and it opened to myself the doorway to everlasting life where there's no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more death. As much as we miss some eight members of our congregation just this past year, we know that we haven't said goodbye to them. We're just saying, see you later. The reading of this, these verses remind us of, I believe, a number of things. First, it reminds us that we should take notice. Take notice of the times when Christ was born. What kind of a time was it when Christ was born? Secondly, we need to notice the place. The place where Christ was born. And then, lastly, the manner. The manner in which Christ was born. In reading these verses, and these verses are familiar to you and I, let us first notice the times in which Christ was born. Come back with me, nearly some 2,000 years. It, it was in the days when Augustus, the first, first Roman emperor, made a decree, it says, a decree that all the world, all of the world, should be taxed. Now, you and I, we don't necessarily like to think of taxes. Without taxes, you know, there probably would be much fewer services allowed to you and I. And it seems to me that the wisdom of God appears in this very simple, simple fact. The scepter was practically departing from Judah, and according to the book of Genesis. I'm wondering why we're getting that, that knock as though somebody's getting might this morning. But the wisdom of God appears in this simple fact. The Jews, the Jews were coming under the dominion and the taxation of a foreign government, a foreign power. Strangers were beginning to rule over them. They had no longer a really independent, an independent government of their own. In the due time, the due time in more ways than one, the due time had come for the promised Messiah to come, to appear. In Augustus, taxes, the world, and at once Christ is born. It was a time peculiarly suitable for the introduction, the introduction of Christ's gospel. 
God intervening in history, the incarnation, the Emmanuel. Because according to Daniel, Daniel chapter 2, verse 40, the whole, the Bible says the whole earth was at length governed by one master. There was nothing to prevent the preacher, a preacher of a new faith going from city to city, from country to country. The princes, the priests, the rulers, the presidents of the, the heathens, heathens world had been weighed in the balances and, and, and found wanting. Egypt, Assyria, Babylonia, Persia, Greece, and Rome had all successfully proved that, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 21, the world, by wisdom, knew not God. Can you imagine a, a time when the world, by wisdom, knew not God? Notwithstanding their, their mighty conquerors, their, their poets, their historians of the day, the architects, the philosophers, the kingdoms of the world, were full of a sense of dark, darkness, a sense of dark idolatry. It was indeed, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it was indeed a due time for God to interpose from heaven and send down an almighty Savior. It was due for Christ to be born. And let us ever rest our souls in the thought that that times, the times, your time, my time, are in God's hands, according to Psalm 31, verse 15. God knows the best season, the best season for sending help to Jesus' church, when, when the new light needs to come to the church and to the world, a new life unto the world. And let us beware of giving way to over-anxiety and anxiousness about the course of events around us. And as, as if we knew better, better than the king of kings, what time relief, what time relief would come. Cease Philip to try to govern the world was a frequent saying of, of Luther. Martin Luther, the father of, of Lutheranism, cease Philip to try to govern the world. Luther, Lutheranism was an anxious friend of, of the Bible. It was a, a saying that was, that was full of wisdom. Let us know, secondly, the place where Christ was born. It was not in Nazareth of Galilee, where his mother, the Virgin Mary, lived. But the prophet Micah had foretold that the event was to take place at Bethlehem, according to Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And so it came to pass, at Beth Bethlehem Christ, Christ was born. 
And the, the overruling providence of God appears in this very simple fact that, that God orders. That God orders all things in heaven and on earth. That God turns the hearts of kings and leaders and presidents wheresoever God will. That God overruled the time when Augustus, Augustus decreed the taxation. That God directed the enforcement of the decree in such a way that Mary, the mother of Jesus, must needs be at Bethlehem when the days were accomplished, the scripture says, when the days were accomplished, that she should be delivered. Little did this, this very haughty, this very haughty and high Roman emperor and his officer Serenius think that they were only instruments instruments in the hand of God, the God of Israel, and we're only carrying out the eternal purposes of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Little did they think that they were helping to lay a foundation, a foundation of a kingdom, a spiritual kingdom that could reign in your heart and in my heart when we ask for forgiveness of our sins and we ask Jesus into our heart and we repent and we, we seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. The words of Isaiah upon a like occasion should be remembered according to Isaiah chapter 10, 7 that he meaneth not so, neither doth his heart think so. The heart, your heart and my heart, the heart of believers, should take comfort in the recollection of God's providential government of the world. A true Christian should, should never be greatly moved or disquieted by the, by the conduct of the rulers of the earth. God and one should see with the eye of faith a hand that's overruling all that they do to the praise and the glory of God. One should regard every king, every potential. And Augustus, a, a Serenius, a, a Darius, a, a Cyrus, a Senatorium, as creatures who with all of the power of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, can do nothing but what God allows, and nothing which is not carrying out God's will. And when the rulers of this world, according to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 8, when the rulers of this world set themselves against the Lord, God should take comfort. We should take comfort in the words of Solomon, there be no higher. There be no higher than God. And let us know lastly today, the manner, the manner in which Christ was born. As we look for the service, Christmas Eve at 3.15, and the relevant chapters and verses, according to Luke and Matthew, Jesus was not born under the roof of his mother's house, but in a strange place and 
an inn, a place where oftentimes people said there is no room, no room. I trust those who are listening today allow room into their hearts and their lives, room for Jesus. And when Jesus was born, he was not laid carefully in a prepared cradle. But Jesus was, was laid in a manger because there was no room for him in the end. I grew up in a farm and periodically during the day and evening it was my responsibility to go out in the barn and push the grain or push the hay near to the cattle so that the cattle and the calves could retrieve their food. I know about a manger. I picture what a manger is. And it says that he was laid in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. We see here the transforming grace. The transforming grace and condescension of, of Christ. Had Jesus come to save humankind with the royal majesty, surrounded by his Father, surrounded by angels, it would have been an act of undeserved mercy. Had Jesus chosen to dwell in a palace which, with power and great authority, we should have reason enough to wonder. But to become poor, imagine it, to become poor, many of us would have great difficulty in becoming as poor as Jesus became poor, the Son of God, but, but to become poor as, as the very poorest of humankind and, and lowly as the very lowliest, this is love. This is true love that passes knowledge. It is unspeakable, it is unsearchable. Never let us forget that through this humiliation, through this humiliation, Jesus has purchased for us the title of glory, this transforming grace has made that purchase for us in the title of glory. Through Jesus' life and suffering as well as his death, he has obtained eternal redemption and salvation 